Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. People of the internet, welcome to Modern Day Debate. Tonight we are debating, is gravity a hoax? We have Iron Horse, a.k.a. Flat Earth Aussie, crossing swords with T-Jump. And going first tonight is Flat Earth Aussie, so I will turn it over to him for his 10-minute opening statement. Flat Earth Aussie, I mean Iron Horse, excuse me. The flat, the floor is all yours. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you, Kaz, and great to be here. Good to see you again, T-Jump. I'm going to do a short introduction of myself. My name is Ross Thatcher. My YouTube moniker is Iron Horse, formerly known by the joke name Flat Earth Aussie Jesus. I haven't always been a flat earther. I was born and raised in the country, and just as I was entering the home computer age, writing programs using every bit and byte my Commodore VIC-20 had to offer at 13 years of age, I moved to the coast. There I discovered surfing, mates, girls, and rugby league football. I turned to exploring the coastline rather than computers for many years. I spent my 16th year as an exchange student in North California, which gave me a greater appreciation for Australia and our education standards. My love of nature eventually led me to an ideal career as a pet store owner, when my wife and I bought a small pet store that had just closed down. We took over the day our eldest daughter turned two and my son was just three months old. Our youngest daughter was practically born in the place, conveniently waiting until five minutes after closing to be born. Seven years later, the business sold for over $200,000 profit on what we had as part of a property settlement on our divorce. I went on to run a successful contract cleaning business for the next five years, cleaning all night and studying nature's ways by day. The ocean, the forests, the weather, the stars, the moon, the tides, all these things were my life, my lifestyle, as well as studying natural health and healing and brewing my own health tonics. This coming winter solstice, I'll be revolutioning, sorry, turning 51 years young, happily engaged with my beautiful 15-year younger fiancé, and flat earth truth and realisation has dominated my existence after formerly being interested in all manner of hidden truths about our reality. Being interested in all manner of hidden... Ah, finish that. Today I intend to destroy the ridiculous notion that mass attracts mass and liquids and gas by virtue of being massive, contained by the non-solid barrier of absolutely nothing. Does gravity exist? So far as the scientific consensus of things of mass dropping through the medium of air at 9.8 metres per second squared, absolutely. That's the observable consensus of physics everywhere on the planet Earth. The question is, why does the ground stop things dropping? The answer is resistance. Resistance from what? The density of the ground. So far, density is already winning over gravity. So one point to resistance as the fourth zero to gravity. Well, why doesn't it fall up, asks every incredulous globe lover. Globe ever. Well, what sort of resistance does the density of air give? Well, at free fall speed, it offers very little resistance, most of which can be explained solely by the attributes of shape alone. Though relative density is definitely a real influencing factor as well. Clearly, the heliocentric web of lies is 100% relying on the unproven belief in the invisible pulling force of mass, for even the most simple definition for their spinning spaceport to be even remotely viable as a scientific belief. The idea that everything of mass is pulled towards the centre is the height of pseudoscientific belief. Unnecessary, unrequired, absolutely extraneous to the reality of the stationary planet Earth we clearly live upon. I'll use some real world examples momentarily 
But to entertain the space age fantasy today's heliolists swear allegiance to, I challenge my space-brained opponent to find just one example of everyday life experiences taken from space, showing ships or planes from a distance, seeming to appear to operate upside down or sideways on the spinning space ball, or even any object dropping in a direction apart from the universally observed direction of down. We all know the fanciful excuses used to gloss over the absolute absence of any of Earth's motions. Yet when a skydiver leaps from a moving plane, they very quickly lose the plane's momentum and drop straight down to the awaiting Earth, exhibiting absolutely zero of its alleged actual rotation motion. Yet imagine landing on the back of a speeding train at 100 miles per hour, it's barely moving one-tenth the speed of the Earth's spin, yet the sudden change in speed would be likely to rip their legs out from beneath them, earning, them the, earning the daredevil a posthumous award into the Darwin Hall of Fame. Even the most simple experiments can dismiss any motion of the Earth, which is just as important a factor of the heliocentric dialect as the easily, equally mythical gravity. We drop a rubber ball onto a moving conveyor belt, the momentum of even a slow-moving belt will impart some momentum onto the bouncy ball, and it will rebound in the direction of the momentum, no matter how tiny the speed. Yet, drop it directly onto the floor, it drops straight down, it bounces straight up. According to our heliocentric faithful followers, the ground isn't just moving eastwards at over a thousand miles per hour, but has another velocity on its annual journey around the sun, the equivalent of almost 87 times the speed of sound. So basically we're told this invisible pulling force of gravity is pulling the ball inwards towards it with such force that the ball falls sideways two different directions, one at max speed of 1.35, the other at Mach 87, all in order to create an optical illusion of dropping straight down and bouncing straight up. But a relatively tiny speed of a treadmill, even moving just one mile per hour, one 776th of the speed of sound, and gravity doesn't know to correct for that? Maybe the stationary planet Earth adherent could be forgiven for thinking Earth isn't moving at all, that there's a universal up and down, and without the need to keep everything clinging to the underneath and sides of a ball spinning through space, that the belief in the theory of gravity is totally extraneous to everyday observable physics. I can give multiple examples how relative density is basically the only relevant requirement now that we've analysed and dismissed all that is absurd about previously believed earthly phenomena. Let's take three balls identical in size, a lead shot foot, a solid rubber ball and a ball of styrofoam. Taken and released from a high bridge, the rubber and lead ball will hit the water at the exact same moment. The styrofoam has the same air resistance, yet due to the properties of its density, or more correctly, its air content in its physical makeup, it actually possesses some amount of buoyancy in the medium of air. By comparison, an air-filled balloon would waft down even more slowly. But both the solid balls with no air content drop 9.8 meters per second squared in the medium of air, as they both possess the same air resistance. But now in water, gravity gets selective. Why? It pulls the lead ball down to the solid bed of the water, but leaves the rubber ball floating on the surface. This is a prime example of relative density and buoyancy. While it might be reasonable to say that the word weight can be substituted in many instances where the word gravity is used, even that would be a gross oversimplification. Even though the very word gravity was originally borrowed from the Latin gravis, which literally translates as weight, it's quite simple to prove that relative density also relies upon the attribute of volume. This thoroughly debunks any last notion of an invisible pulling force of mass attracting mass, which I'll put to rest by retrieving the lead ball from the bottom of the river and weighing it exactly five kilograms. Whatever newtons of pulling forth Earth's 
centre is allegedly exerting on it. I hammer and beat and roll it flat, then shape it into a dish. I weigh it again. Still exactly five kilograms. Same amount of raw mass. But now when I place it in water, it magically floats. What sort of wizardry can debunk the force of gravity so easily? By altering the volume and turning it into a container of air, which also has extra mass and weight, it now floats. Relative density wins again. Another example. I weigh an empty balloon. It weighs 100 grams. It sits flaccidly on the ground. I place a canister of helium on the scale. It weighs 10 kilos. I feel the balloon from the canister until the scale shows it weighs 9 kilograms. So now the balloon, with a knot tied into it, must weigh 1,100 grams or 1.1 kilograms. Its overall mass has increased by kilogram, but its overall volume has to at least a cubic metre of increase to a cubic metre or more. And we know that the mass of the ceiling cannot possibly contain more gravity than the earth beneath. The relative density of the volume of the balloon relative to the density of air finally satisfies the globe incessantly, the globe incessantly asking, why down? Why not up? Gravity is not only an outdated theory for an outdated mythical belief, belief, but we can equally dismiss it as the ancient superstitious explanation for tides. It may have served its purpose very well as the go-to god of the gaps throughout our former somewhat darker ages, yet the explanation of how the one mass of only one moon can pull water by virtue of its own mass twice per day has to be on par as ridiculous as a pressurised atmosphere bounded by a vacuum like a helium balloon stuck to the ceiling with no balloon. The global will demand that the moon's gravity will pull the oceans towards it for tide one, then pull the earth itself through its own ocean to create tide two on the rear side. Not only would this immediately negate tide one, the six times stronger gravity of earth would be pulling with the moon, thus negating tide two, no matter how much spin they put on it. Not only was the moon the final nail in the heliocentric coffin when I last met T-Jump negating fictional space, I'll leave it as the final word debunking gravity on oh, the yeah. absurd spinning space ball cult belief. All right, thank you so much, Iron Horse. And we will go ahead and kick it over to T-Jump for his 10-minute opening statement. T-Jump, the floor is all yours. Gravity is really easy to prove. All we do is take a container, uh, suck out all of the air, make it a vacuum, put an object in it. And for some reason, even though there's nothing in there to cause relative density, it's completely empty, it's a vacuum, it will still fall down. And if you turn the container upside down and put a ball in it, it'll still fall down, which means there has to be some force that isn't relative density that is causing objects to go down uh, and not up because if we have a vacuum, there's no relative density, but it's still going down for some reason. That disproves relative density and disproves all of Flatter Fossey's argument and shows that there must be some force that pull things through a vacuum and we're going to call that gravity and it works. Everything else he said is scientifically wrong. The moon does pull water in one direction. If you pull water in one direction in a tub, the water on the other side will come to fill the giant hole that's placed, and that creates a second wave. There you go. That's why you have double double different tides at different times of the day, because if there's an absence of water, the rest of the water is going to fill to going to rush to fill the absence. There you go. Two, two tides. Pretty easy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not hard to prove that at all. There's also like the Atmos effect. If you are traveling east, you are actually lighter than if you're traveling west because of these effects so it's not like this is hard stuff i don't know what aussie's confused about um gravity's proven by vacuums and dropping balls in them problem solved i'll conclude there 
All right. Thank you so much, T-Jump, for your opening statement. And let me just say to everybody in the chat, I want to let you know, especially if it's your first time joining us at Modern Day Debate, that we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we want you to feel welcome no matter what walk of life you're from. And if you have a question for or comment for one of tonight's debaters, please fire into the old live chat and be sure to tag me at Modern Day Debates. Super chats go to the top of the list. They will get first priority. All we ask is that you please keep it civil, attack the argument and not the person, as insults will not be read. And that goes for the general discourse in the live chat as well. Our invaluable moderators are working tirelessly to elevate the conversation. So please show them the show them and the debaters and each other the respect of not hurling insults and attacks. Um, our guests are linked in the description below, whether you're listening on YouTube or via the podcast as well. So um, please, if you like what you're hearing, please check them out. Click on their links and show them some love. Um, hit the like button if you like what you're hearing. Subscribe so you can hear more juicy debates in the future. Um, and also in the description, there'll be a link to the after show tonight that i'm going to be putting on i believe flat earth aussie i'm um, sorry iron horse is going to be joining me and i think t jump as well for a little bit um and then also uh with that we will kick it into the open discussion for one hour gentlemen the floor is all yours it's your first word you're muted i'm sorry i have him muted i think my bad go ahead um yeah i just want to quickly mention before we go any further that i'm having real trouble hearing this here is there any chance you can turn it up on the app that we're doing this through because I really struggled to hear T jump through that. Um, I can't control his volume. Uh, do you have a volume button on your phone? Also? Yeah, I've got it turned right up, and um, it's like only half volume or something. So anyway, I'll, I'll work with it. I'll just struggle to listen in to to whatever sort of responses you have. You started off with saying a vacuum is a proof of gravity, but you've got it all totally bass backwards, like usual is that the fact is that a vacuum is a complete lack of density so why would a complete lack of density have more resistance to say water or mercury or something that has a lot of resistance now we can float an anvil in mercury we can float a rubber ball in water but nothing is going to float in a vacuum so a vacuum is the absolutely worst example you could have possibly used to counteract relative density it's the complete total lack of density how does density apply a force in one direction or the other well it's, it's not applying a force the force is resistance so if it stops something from dropping then that's the resistant force if there's no density there's no resistance so it drops right right so density if relative density is a resistance then there has to be something else applying a force to cause it to go down to resist against right well, yeah, if you lifted it up in the first place, if you left, left, it, left it resting on the ground, it's not going to go anywhere. So you pick okay. something up. That's the force. You let it go. The reaction is dropping. If you don't pick so, it up, it won't react. It won't drop. So density is a resistance. It stops things from falling. Like if it's on the ground, it's resisting it to stop it from falling. If there was nothing there, it would fall, right? If like the ground disappeared, it would just yeah. fall. So there has to be a yeah, force it's very, there. Simple, very basic, very obvious. Right, Something so, we can there, has be, everywhere. so there has to be a force causing it to go down. Why is it going down in the first place? You, you didn't listen to what I just said. There's no force making it go down. There's a lack of a force, nothing resisting it. So that's what it does. When the first observation in any, anything you do in science is you make the observation first, then you design the argument to support it one way or the next. What do we observe in nature is things drop unless they've got something of density beneath them to resist them. 
There's no evidence of anything falling sideways towards something due to its mass. It all goes universally straight down. That's physics. First law of it, observation. Yeah, so if there's zero forces, there is zero movement. So any movement requires a force. So if it's going down, that means there has to be a force causing it to go down. Otherwise, it would do nothing. If there's no forces, it would do nothing. It would just stay there That's and do right. nothing. So there has That's to be a right. force causing things to go down, right? Well, actually, there's a, there's a force causing things to stop falling, and that is density. Without that, it will just keep dropping, as we've already asserted. You don't need a force no, to no, cause it. You need a force to lift it in the first so, place. So I, I can you, stop this from falling. I've, I've stopped it. It is now stopped. It is no longer falling. But if I let it go, yeah, it starts to it. fall. There, there's more force that's being added to it. You so, were so where, resisting where does, it. Where, where, where does the force coming from? When I let it go, something has to add force to it to make it go down. What is the thing adding force no, to it, it to make it go down? No, you are creating a resistant force with your hand and you're removing a resistant force. You're Aussie, not adding another force, force you're the Resistance one. is irrelevant here. I don't care about the resistance. Why does it continue to speed up when I let it go? It goes faster and fa Why does it go faster? If it was, it, it has to change. It goes from zero to plus one meter per second, two meters per second, three meters per second. It's speeding up. It's going faster. How is it going faster? What What is adding speed to it? By virtue of its own mass and the lack of resistance of the medium of air. As nope, I said, if you dropped it in water, you, that's, it's not going to drop. That's not a positive number. Because the water has more density. Ozzy, you need a positive number here. Something needs to add a force to it. You can't just say it automatically adds a force to itself. It can't do that. Because it could add, if it was only <laughs> itself, then it would go in no direction. So, so the reason it's going in one direction, not the other direction, has to be there has to be something there to add a force to the thing to make it go in one direction, not the other direction. The thing itself can't do that. The objects within its own mass can never cause it to go down on its own. It can't do that because all of the masses inside of itself apply equally to every direction. So why does it go down, Ozzy? What force is causing it to go down? Okay. Is it still going down now? No. No, because it's met a place of resistance. I don't resist You applied a force to it by lifting it. You've applied another force of resistance by holding it, then you remove the resistant force. So physics, because it's a thing of mass, is automatically going to want to drop until it is at a place of resistance. It is not still no. dropping, is it? Wrong, wrong, Aussie. No. It does not automatically want to drop. Something has to make it want to drop. It doesn't drop automatically, Aussie. There's no force inside of a cup that makes it want to drop, Aussie. It doesn't work that way. Mass doesn't yes, automatically want to drop. Yes, there is, because if you left no, it at rest, not. it would stay at rest. You apply the force to it, and so that when you apply a force, there's an equal and opposite reaction, and that reaction is dropping. No, Ozzy, there's no, for, for there to be an equal and no opposite resistance. reaction, Ozzy, if, if this is an equal and opposite reaction, me holding this, that means there has to be something going up and something going down, Ozzy. What is the thing going down, Ozzy? What is the well, thing, the thing resistance going down against, is its weight? No, weight, you know, no, Aussie, Aussie. it's heavier it's than air. Weight, its own weight doesn't cause it to go down because if I put it in a space with no it gravity, does. it'll just sit there. So why is it going it's down? It's the relative. It's the relative why? density. If it was a helium no. balloon, would it go down? No, because it's not more dense than the air. It would go up. Electromagnetism is a different it is such a simple force. concept. Aussie, there's no Aussie. point continuing to argue something if you're going to be that thick about it and you can't get it. 
Now, time tell me again about these two cards because no, 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 no. So again, helium balloons. The reason they go up is because there is a more dense thing at the bottom. Density can apply force to an object if there's a more dense thing. That means there are more molecules that pushes uh -huh. it up. And if there's more molecules at the top, it'll push it down. If there are no molecules, density doesn't push anything. So if they're in a vacuum, uh -huh. there's no molecules and it still goes down, that means there has to be a force to cause it to go down. If there is no force, there is no movement. So if it moves, that means force, necessarily. There's no automatic movement. That seem, it seems like you're confused okay, well, about this, and you think that because it moves, it's just automatic. There's nothing causing the movement. It's just magic. The magic of the object causes it to go down. But you said it yourself. Magic. The helium balloon rises. The helium balloon rises because it's less dense than the air, right. so it's displacing... The air is displacing right. the balloon, which causes it yes. to go up. In the yes. case of the, the object that you're dropping, it is displacing the air. So the air is going up, which creates the illusion of the thing going down, which right. just happens so to why? go down to the place of resistance. So why and there's no such vacuum. thing as a vacuum. There's no why such thing as a vacuum, vacuum anyway. Yes, there is. We there's can no create vacuums vacuum. all the time. So if we create a vacuum with no particles inside of it and put an object in it, it's not displacing anything. There's no relative density. There is zero density. And why does it still But we fall? can't create a vacuum. We can yeah. create close to a vacuum, but there'll always be some amount of density that's there. good enough. If, if, there's, if the molecule's literally not touching the top and the bottom, that's zero density. So zero density, object in it, it falls. Why? Why does it fall? It's not displacing anything. Why does it fall? It's displacing something. It's no, it's not. Something it's that's not a vacuum means. It's not it. There's no displacement. It's, it's, so. it's a near vacuum. You will, you'll never get a total vacuum anyway. I don't, so honestly, I don't need a total vacuum. I just need enough of a vacuum that it's not displacing anything. Enough. You can create vacuums that the particles are so far away that the object isn't displacing anything. So yes, we can create it where there's zero displacement. It's not displacing any particles at all. Still falls. Why does it still fall, Aussie? Because it has mass. And mass that's requires resistance. Mass is not a force. So mass doesn't go down. Mass is just a, is not a force. So but why, why does mass go is. down? Why gravity, does that's mass go down? literally what you're down? saying gravity is. Because that's what? where things of mass go. We live in a relative density realm. Everything no, of mass no, Ozzie, you, you can't naturally just say, goes down. There's a universal down. No, it, it never doesn't. falls sideways, does it? Not even in your vacuum. Because no, it, it always goes down. Ozzie, that Ozzie, is you just can't say mass goes down. Any scientific endeavor is to make the observation first. You have to answer the question. Why does it go down? Just saying it goes down. Yes, obviously it goes down. Why does it go down? Because there's nothing dense enough no, no, to no, no, resist no, no, no. Ozzy, it. Ozzy, no, 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 no. You can't. You have to have a positive number here. So if I say, why does, uh, why does something going at a speed of seven go at a speed of seven? I can't say because nothing is stopping it. No, you have to well, say there is initial force. The opposite, you're going to assume somebody on the opposite side of the ball is things aren't dropping down there. They're dropping up. Why are they dropping up? Oh, because they're going to the center of mass. But that's never been observed. It's never been tested. It's never been proven. It's an assumption and a requirement of your spinning space ball belief that has no evidence, never been seen. No, Just we're talking about gravity. We don't, we don't, the globe doesn't matter to gravity. We can the see globe, that. We can scientifically prove that. doesn't matter to gravity. Why do things with mass go down? You can't say they automatically go down. That's not an option. You have to say there is something causing it. What is the thing causing it to go down? Lack of resistance. 
That's not that's not a positive number, Asa. You can't say if I ask for what is a positive number, like, there is a hole. What caused the hole, Asa? You can't say because there's no resistance. You have to have a positive force. Basic logic. If you want to have a, well, an effect, a hole you have to what? make a cause. A hole What's, in what? What are you talking about? What hole? This you is an analogy, If there is a thing, a positive event that occurs in reality, you can't say it occurs because nothing stopped it. Something must have caused it because it wasn't always occurring. So if it can't be always occurring, must, something must have predated it to cause it to occur. So what caused it to occur, Ozzy? It can't have been falling forever, Ozzy. So why does mass fall? No, that's right. The Newton's law says for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you don't perform a force in the first place, like picking it up, then it won't drop. If you pick it up and you leave it somewhere where there's nothing to resist it, it drops. It's really, really straightforward stuff. You don't need extra in extraneous forces to describe it. It is just the reaction to the initial force that you placed upon it. Yes, it's an initial force called gravity. That's why it goes down. You don't get an option there. If it goes down, that's a force. If it moves, that's a force. If there's no movement, then there's no force. So if you're saying it's moving, you're admitting there's a force. So you lose. If you if you think it's falling, yeah, well, that's right. That's if you throw force. something up in the air, no, 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 up, no. wrong it? force. Wrong force, Aussie. If something goes down, that's if a, anything is going down force. at all, if anything is ever being pulled down for any reason, that's a force, Aussie. You lose. I'm getting terrible reception here. I'm struggling to hear you. If there is anything going down at all, there must be a force to cause it to go down. It can't go down without a force, Ozzy. Must have force to cause it to go down. No force, no movement. All movement equals force. You don't get to separate the two. You don't That's, get to say it automatically goes down. That's Literally, not true. It's, it's true. the reaction to a force. No, Ozzy. If it if there's well, no force, if I punch no a movement. hole in the wall, are you going to say that the wall crumpling then is gravity because it made a hole in the wall? Yeah, yes. like how how is that saying uh, that there's an opposite force to something? When I apply a force to something and create a reaction, the reaction is directly re a result of the force applied. So if you pick something up, that's the force applied. The reaction is dropping. There's no extra force applied to cause it to drop. Just as there's no extra force to make the hole in the wall if you put enough force from your fist in the first place. It's as simple as that. Whatever force debunked, you apply, there'll be an equal and opposite reaction. I already debunked your nonsense there, Aussie. If an object is moving, that's a force. There has to be a force to cause the movement. So if an object is falling for any reason ever, there is a force causing the falling. Resistance doesn't cause yeah. the falling, Aussie. No, throwing it up in the air in the first place, dude. No. It's just a reaction. It's nope, just a natural wrong, reaction wrong. applying a force. If you wrong, left it Aussie. alone in the first place, if you didn't apply a force, it's not going to drop, is it? Wrong, Aussie. If I throw an object up, I'm applying a force upwards. There has to be something else to cause it to come down. A different force. Another force, Aussie. Basic logic. If you throw well, yeah, an object up, if you apply a force up, then there has to be something to cause it to go down, yes. Aussie. Well, why don't you listen then? That force is relative density because the object no, is not. more dense than the air. And so it will move through the air and come back down. I already disproved that, Ozzy, because if we throw it up in a vacuum, guess what? It still thing. comes down. If we throw it up in a vacuum, That's it right. still comes down. No density. There's no vacuum density is a vacuum. total lack of resistance. It a is total a total lack of resistance. Lack of resistance. more resistance than a lot of resistance, is it? 
What? Yeah, it's really, really awesome. straight. If it's a vacuum, down. nothing is pushing it down. There is no relative density to push it down in a vacuum. That's it doesn't right. Exist. That's so right. Nothing's pushing it down. Can't go down That's without right. a force. It's got its That's own right. mass. That's right. Gravity is more dense That's than right. the surrounding medium right. of nothing. It's more dense than the surrounding medium of nothing. That's why it will come down until resisted by something of sufficient density to resist it, and it comes to rest. No, 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 Ozzy. If there's no density on the top and there's no density on the bottom, nothing. It's not going to push it up and it's not going to push it down. Basic logic here, Ozzy. For density to work, it has to be more dense on one side and less dense on the other side. It can't move anything if it's equally dense on both sides. If you have something equally dense on both sides, it will not move. That's how density works. You understand Does how your density works, right? Have dense walls? Does your vacuum the chamber have dense apply walls? No a density. Seal? The wall, the walls are not a gas. They don't apply. Yeah, but the any walls force. and floors exist. Walls and floors exist. Are the, the walls and floors don't apply a force to an object in them? That's what the point of a vacuum is. If the walls applied the forces in a vacuum, it wouldn't be a vacuum, Ozzy. It'd be filled with walls. That's not how a vacuum works, Ozzy. So the, the universe without walls, being a giant vacuum. How do we have an atmosphere on Earth? Gravity and electromagnetism, the forces that ah. pull things together. Yes. So gravity is electromagnetism now and it pulls on air. Gravity does pull on air. Yes. Electromagnetism also pulls on so air. So why is the air up? Why is the what? air up then? Why isn't it all on the ground? Because electromagnetism causes the bigger things to be pulled together harder. Well, how come I can use get a straw, stick it in a glass of water, put my finger over the top and lift the straw up out of the water and the water doesn't fall back down? A tiny little vacuum closest to the centre of gravity can beat gravity. A tiny because little vacuum force. Because of the strong electromagnetic force. That's because of the strong electromagnetic force. It's 40 orders of magnitude stronger than gravity. This is very easy, basic stuff, Ozzy. Strong electromagnetic force of my finger. No, it's the strong electromagnetic force of the universe, which also applies to the particles in your finger. Okay, so if I get a vacuum hose and I start drawing some water out, I can lift it up over the roof of a building. And as long as I put the other end lower than the water source on the other side of the building, that water is going to flow all the way up the hose and come out the other side. That's another example of a vacuum force being way, way stronger than gravity which has no say yes. in the matter. That water will forcefully fl flow out until it's all lower than the outer end. How, how yes. do you explain you, gravity? You, you, you can jump, Ozzy. Like, it's easier. You can just jump up and down. You can use the strong and weak electromagnetic force to tense in your muscles and then go up above fight gravity. So gravity is 40 orders of magnitude weaker than the strong and weak electromagnetic force. So obviously, you can use those to overcome gravity. That's why rockets work. Okay, so we, we, you can admit then that a very tiny vacuum force is multiple times stronger than gravity, and yet you're saying that tiny little air molecules with virtually zero mass can be miles and miles up in the air, and gravity is still going to override the universal force of a vacuum with its really, really, really weak force as it hurdles millions of miles an hour through the vacuum of space. No. So uh, dark energy oh. means that the, the energy vacuum is actually overcoming gravity. It's going pushing things further away than gravity. So the opposite of what you said. Um, but yes, gravity can still pull things in from long, long distances. 
but but an air molecule has virtually zero mass. Like yeah, it's like probably point zero 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 one grams of mass, if that, you know, yes. even less. So that's if gravity is a force of attraction, an electromagnetic attraction to something that's virtually non-existent, then how the heck can we be hurtling through a vacuum of space and still have an atmosphere? Because vacuums don't apply forces, so vacuums wouldn't push anything away. Like if, if Vacuums apply zero force but to anything. I don't know if I'm breaking up to you, but you're breaking up a lot to me. I'm struggling to hear what you're saying here. Vacuums don't apply a force, so traveling through a vacuum wouldn't cause the air molecules to move away. Gravity does apply a force, so it causes things to pull together. And so the non-force of a vacuum would not stop air from being pulled by the actual force of gravity. But we've just demonstrated how easily a tiny vacuum force can overcome gravity where gravity's strongest. There and is no I'm vacuum saying now force. that where gravity's weakest, it gets even stronger again than a vacuum, which is massive force, as opposed there's, to the tiny little one of a simple siphon hose. What what do you there's no vacuum force? What vacuum force are you talking about? There is no vacuum force. In a siphon, a siphon is a vacuum force. You've removed no. the air from it, and so you've got the water molecules flowing through a closed pipe or hose. And you can lift it up as much as eight stories over a building and the water will flow because water's so strongly wanting to seek its level. And as long as you don't get any air bubbles in that hose, then gravity has no say in the matter. If you take it up too high, I think about 18 stories, the water will even start to boil because water needs pressure. So it's not a vacuum. With, without the pressure, a vacuum force. the natural pressurized environment, your little gravity is weak, it does nothing, and it cannot hold an atmosphere to a ball spinning through a vacuum of space. So when you like put your finger on a straw and hold up water, the vacuum is doing nothing. There is no vacuum force. It is the air around the straw that is pushing the water. There is no vacuum force. So if space is a vacuum, it applies zero force. There's no force it applies at all. The thing that does apply a force is the particles, the, the density that you're talking about, that applies a force. But it stops at the vacuum. When there's a vacuum, it stops applying a force. There is no longer applying a force once you get to the vacuum. So it's not a problem that we're in space covered with particles and the particles hold themselves together and are pulled by gravity because they can only push out where the edge of the particles are. Because when, when the particles stop and there's vacuum, they can no longer push anything. They're, they're not able to push anymore because they can only push as far as they're touching one another. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm having such poor reception here because you keep breaking up so much. It's almost impossible for me to hear you, what you're saying here. Um, but so, so, okay. I think I've I'll demonstrated say... that a vacuum force of a simple siphon is way, way stronger than gravity. And that's just a very simple vacuum force. It's a very tiny one. So There's no such to thing. To say that the universal vacuum is weaker than a hose, that's the most insane thing ever. Again, Aussie, there's no such thing as a vacuum force. There is the force of other particles pushing. So if you create a vacuum on one side of a straw, the vacuum does nothing. The vacuum is not a force. The other particles are pushing the water from the other side. Um, it's not, the vacuum does nothing. 
So the vacuum doesn't just pull because of vacuum. That's not how it works. That would violate your silly gravity principle of everything falls. If that happened, it would literally prove your own theory wrong if that happened. So the fact that one particle will push another particle because they're bumping into one another stops when there's no more particles. If there's no more particles, they can't keep pushing. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. That means there's something else. If something is pulling and there's nothing else pushing, that means it's going to come collect into a gigantic ball called Earth. Okay, well, we can attribute that pushing force. If I, I'm assuming you finished there, yep. Um, we can attribute that pushing force simply to the mass of its own existence because we're not hurtling through a vacuum of space. If, if we say that atmospheric gases have some amount of mass, then they have some amount of weight, which is what gives us you know, air pressure, then that works totally perfectly fine on a stationary planet Earth with a direct downward force only. And therefore that pr air pressure could be pushing on the water of the higher side, even to the point where the water itself is only this high on one side, but it's still gonna flow all the way over that eight stories if you want, or whatever many stories of building to get to the other side because that's water seeking its own level. And it's gonna do so because of the vacuum force created in the hose. As soon as you get a bubble of air in there, you've lost the vacuum force and the water won't be seeking its level through that massive hose, through that amount of height against the force of gravity. So it just proves that a vacuum force is indeed way, way stronger than gravity. And we can have pressure because we're not contained by a vacuum. Like I said, if you've got the helium balloon stuck to the ceiling without the balloon, it makes no sense. But we've got the whole atmosphere stuck to the ceiling of the sky without a balloon. It makes no sense. We can't have it. You can't have a pressurized atmosphere in a vacuum. So you've debunked your own silly position, Ozzy. So if a vacuum force is a thing, um, why doesn't the water fall? So like you have a straw and you have like your finger on the straw and there's water in it. Why doesn't it fall? Why doesn't uh, the water repeat? fall out of the straw when you hold it up? Uh, we might have to do this another day. I'm not even getting anything from you here. Sorry. I live in a pretty poor reception area here with internet. So I'll get my dongle. And bring it I turned him up all the way. Works. I turned him up all the way. <laughs> can you hear me? All right, Kaz. I can hear you just fine. I'm going to mute myself and him. Let's see if you can say something and then he can hear it now. Well, I don't know if he can. He's back at the TV yet. See if, see if you can hear you now. Ozzy, can you hear Kaz all right? Can you hear me okay? He's frozen. Yeah, he is. <laughs> frozen as hell. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, just letting you know that uh, we are having some technical difficulties at the moment with uh, Iron Horse, so uh, hopefully he'll be back in a moment. Uh, if not, I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> I guess we'll just read the super chats that are for T-Jump and uh, go from there. Um, in any event, I want to let you know that uh, both of our guests are linked in the description, um, along with uh, After Show, if uh, that happens. Uh, <laughs> and um, 
also want to let you know that uh, Super Chats will go to the top of the list. And um, please uh, tag me at Modern Day Debates. Uh, attack the argument and not the person. Insults will not be read. I don't know what I should do. Maybe I should kick him out and then see if he can come back in. Ozzy, can you hear me? God damn. Leave and come think, back. I'm going to try to kick him out and see if he can come back in. Well, I think he's already been kicked out. Like, yeah, his, maybe. But his computer probably just doesn't recognize yeah. it. But I think it should be okay to insult James. Like, I think that should be totally okay <laughs> to send Super Chats to make fun of James. Oh, man. Well, I wouldn't do that today. Not this week. Maybe uh, next month. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, he's not sending me an email or anything. Let's see. Uh, we'll give him a few more minutes. I don't know. You want to... <sighs> he's not here to defend himself. Uh, <sighs> anything going on for you in the future? Oh, here he is. He's back. Maybe. Are you there, Iron Horse? Somebody else is here, also named Iron Horse. <laughs> Probably double joined. Yeah. T-Jump is about to get double teamed by two Flat Earth Aussies. So this is going to be a bloodbath, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I don't know. Um, yep. I hear you. I hear something. I'm back again. I hear you. Yes, you're back. Ah, cool. Testing. Can you hear us now? Yeah, I actually sound a little bit louder too. It's much better. Okay, yeah. cool. So, so you you were talking about the vacuum power, the vacuum energy. So, let's say you have a straw. It's full of water, and you're holding it up with your finger. Now, if stuff automatically falls like you think it does, why doesn't the water fall out of the straw? Because you've created a vacuum force to prevent it, haven't you? That's the power of a vacuum, and it's only a tiny little vacuum. The gravity has no say in it. So the vacuum's gravity, on the top, right? The vacuum's on the top of the straw, right? Well, it's at the top end, yeah. And what's on the bottom end? Yeah, your water. Yes, and the air, the air below the water, right? Well, yes. Okay, so, so why is the water not falling through the air? Because gravity doesn't exist. It's a myth. You've got a vacuum force holding it up. It doesn't matter if gravity exists. Something has to stop it from falling. Why is it not falling? Something has to like hold the it up from the bottom. The vacuum held by your finger. As soon as you release that vacuum force, it does drop, doesn't it? So, so there's so you... no gravity involved. There's a vacuum force overriding any possible hope or thought of any amount of vac uh, gravity whatsoever. So it the shows that the, the vacuum top. is a force. So the vacuum at the top of the straw is touching the water at the bottom of the straw? It's what's holding it in because the water itself, being a fluid, has no air passing through it. And so it creates its own vacuum force itself. That's a, one of the properties of fluids. What? That makes absolutely no sense. So we have a vacuum at the top and the vacuum touches the water, but the water is different. It's not a vacuum. The water is not a vacuum. And then below the water is the air. Now, the way a classical rational person thinks is that the air on the outside of the straw is pushing up against the water, holding it in the straw. The vacuum is doing none of that. The vacuum is just there. And then the water is pushing up against the vacuum. And then the so air is holding the, the water. So air is anti-gravity now. 
it's holding water up. Is that yes. why the clouds? Yes. So if there's a vacuum and then water and then air, the air is... because created a vacuum seal inside the top of the straw that the water's own weight pulling against that creates enough of a suction to prevent it falling any further, which is why if you release your finger, it falls back out because of the relative so, density. So it just shows that that tiny little vacuum force can override gravity just in front of your face that you can do it in the bloody cafe or in your, at your kitchen table or whatever. It's something that anybody can prove to show that gravity is non-existent. It's not needed to explain the observations of pressure, pressure gradients, vacuum forces, and fluid dynamics. So how does the vacuum at the top of the straw reach down to the bottom of the straw where there isn't a vacuum? It doesn't. The water creates its own plug. It pulls against the top of your finger where it can no longer create the air to allow it to pass out. And so that little vacuum force that it creates holds itself in. So the vacuum somehow makes the water magnetic so it attracts itself? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I just said you've made a tiny little vacuum force which overrides any concept of gravity because of water's own density. Nothing magnetic. Water's not magnetic. In fact, if anything, it's diamagnetic. In fact, everything is diamagnetic, which I'd be, love to see if you could ever get around to addressing the tides and how gravity can pull trillions of tonnes of water around for two tides a day. I addressed that before it pulls half of it and the, the first half creates a big hole and the water tries to fill the big hole and that's how it have a second one. It's pretty easy. So, so if you, water if you create a wave, big hole creates a big bulge. Yes, that's how waves work. Yeah, if you if you create like if a meteor hits the water, first it pushes stuff away and then the water tries to fill the hole. Yes. So gravity's a meteor. No. If, if so the it, moon it, had it, enough gravity to pull the oceans to one side of the earth, it would yeah. create a massive low tide on the other side and a massive high tide on the moon side, and they'd get one per day for 24 hours only. You would not no. get a second high tide on the rear side because you've got Earth's gravity working with the moon's gravity, pulling all the ocean towards the moon side. How, how can you possibly have the moon overriding Earth's gravity when it's a sixth of the Earth's gravity and creating a secondary high tide on the rear side. It's just physically impossible if you apply just the simplest bit of logic to it. There's no way you can use gravity to explain tides at all. A diamagnetic force, you can, because it's a repellent force and it can push water around. And then the water rebounding can create a secondary high tide back the other way. No, it's pretty simple. So like if you have a... a like say a, a bathtub and you put your hand in the middle of the bathtub and then you push your hand, you're going to have a big ball of water here and a big trough of water here, right? Yeah. And then the big trough is going to be filled by the water over here. This water is going to like fill the trough, right? Actually, no. Fluid dynamics makes the whole wave go and hit this front back end of the bath. And then when it flows back, it will fill that trough. It's not going to fill that trough with another wave. You're going to create one wave with your hand not a second wave to fill the trough. The water so, will rebound so, on the side of the bathtub. So the water behind your hand will just stay there. It won't fill the giant hole you've created. Just, the hole's just going to remain there, and the water isn't going to fall into the hole until the, the first wave you, hits it will the edge. Back. It will bounce back from the other edge. 
it'll slosh backwards and forwards. And that's a, a tiny example just in a bathtub. We are. We're talking about ocean. Yeah, let's say we're in the ocean. If, we're, if I'm in the ocean and I put my hand in the ocean and I make a wave, you're saying the big hole that I just made will never be filled until the wave hits the other side of the Atlantic and comes back? It's no comparison. It's no comparison. What you're going to do to the water is nothing. The water will just instantly fill its find its own level. It's not going to create another wave to fill that trough. It's just going to fill it up. It's no comparison whatsoever. In the small so, so environment it, how, of the bath, how does it fill it up? How does it fill it up? It, it moves, right? The water yeah, when you create dynamics. a back like a hole, it moves. Fluid dynamics means water will always seek and find its own level. So when water moves, what do we call that? Flowing. A wave. We call it a wave. Mm, you could call some of it a wave, but it's not necessarily yes. always a wave. Yes. So, so, so a river hand, is a wave? Is a river uh, a wave? If, if you make no, a displacement. So, so if, I, if I put my hand in water and I push the water, there's going to be a wave in the front where the water has been moved, and there's going to be a wave in the back to fill the first wave, right? Not necessarily a wave, just water naturally finding its level. And there's no way that's that you can tide, Aussie. If you want to call it water finding its level, that's the second tide. That's how it works. Okay. Congratulations. Tell me then, tell me then how the moon is anything like a hand pushing through water. You're saying that the gravity it's is a, pulling water. Yes, yes. So it's a big thing that pulls the water in one direction, like my hand pushes the water in one direction. It's a force. Well, that would create the second the tide water. right behind it, wouldn't it? That'd create just it, one wave and another wave. And you got your two tides in. Five yes. minutes. But you don't no. have two tides in five minutes. You have them 12 hours, 12 and a half hours apart. Right. right. So, so the size of the wave is determined by the amount of water you move. The more water you move, <laughs> the longer it takes for the water to fill That's the hole, ludicrous. right? Tides don't move in one single wave. They gradually rise over a period of six hours, and they gradually go down over a period of another six hours, and then they go back up again over another six hours. There's no such thing as a tidal wave creating the tides in one big burst and then having a low tide in between as a next wave comes and hits. You've got so imagine, imagine the ultimate big sky daddy puts his hand in all of the waters on the earth and just moves all of the waters. How long would it take the water to naturally flow to fill in the the first half that the God moved the waters? Five minutes. If that, two minutes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so your sky daddy that you're talking about, yeah, bigger than the moon. <laughs> yes, so ultimate, ultimate sky daddy, super God, decides to put his hand in the middle of the earth and move half of the water to like one edge. What? And we want, to, we want to know how fast the water on the other side is going to fill the hole the Sky Daddy's hand left. And you think it's going to cover the entire half of the Earth in five minutes. Yeah, I think it's going to actually flood the entire world in five minutes. It's, it's just, I don't know where you come up with these hypothetical things from anyway in the first place. Like, you know, let's, how about we just leave your mythical Sky Daddies out of it altogether and just deal with reality as we observe it. And let's talk about what really happens not, not this magical if somebody with a big hand comes and moves half the ocean at once. You know, if you get a big wave, the next wave will be following right behind it. And it's usually generally even bigger. You know, waves come in sets created by swell, which is created by winds out in the deep ocean. So it's got nothing to do with the tides. Tides are a completely different thing of water sloshing backwards and forwards from a weak diamagnetic repellent force of the moon taking 24 hours and 50 minutes to go around us once, which will create two tides as it hits the coast on one side, then as it 
the moon passes over, it's also pushing it back again, creating that backflow that you're talking about. And so when it goes back all the way across the ocean, that's where you get your secondary high tide. And by the time it comes around again, we'll start pushing the first one back again. We can okay, let's that. talk about reality, like in what's actually there. What's a tsunami? What is, what is a tsunami? A tsunami is generally a, a wave created by an earthquake underwater and displaces yeah, so, a large so, one so, so let's very say, quickly. Let's say we have a tsunami instead of a giant hand because you want real things. So a tsunami moves a large portion of the water. Does the water automatically get refilled in five minutes? Uh, it creates a massive flood depending on where it hits. Yes, and slowly and behind, behind the tsunami, does it take five minutes for the rest of the world's ocean to fill the giant hole the tsunami has left? No, because the same water goes back and fills back no. where it came from. It does in the bathtub. Right. It takes longer. It doesn't work like that. You create a giant hole in the ocean because the tsunami pulls the water out of the ocean. It takes quite a long time for the water to move and fill that because water doesn't go at the speed of light like you think it does. It actually takes some time because of how physics works for the water to actually spread. It's got nothing so, to do with tide, though, does it? Yeah, yes, That's it got does. a physical effect of something happening to displace a large amount of water very quickly and then that water receding is nothing like a tide. So right. comparing so, so tsunamis have, with big thing, tide, first half, we get two of them every day. It's, first it's half, comparison. The first half. The first half of what you said. We have a thing that displaces a large amount of water. That's called the moon and gravity. So it displaces a large amount of water in one direction. And it keeps going. It doesn't stop. Like tsunamis stop and then the water goes back. But if it kept going, just imagine a tsunami that continued to go and continued to pull the water all the way across. There's going to be one wave where the tsunami is, where it has a large, big ball of water that it's brought, and then it's going to have a big empty space where it brought the water from, and then there's going to be a wave behind that that is coming to fill in all of the empty space the tsunami left. So if there's this one gigantic tsunami that doesn't stop and it continues to pull water all the way around the world and it goes in one clockwise direction around the world, there's going to be two waves. There's going to be one at the tsunami, and there's going to be a second one filling in the hole the tsunami left. You have two waves, right? Well, the, there's a huge problem with that because first of all, we've got continents. You know, about 30% of the Earth is covered with continents and that stops the water from flowing in a wave. <sighs> Even if it's a tsunami, a tsunami might be compared to an extra large tide momentarily in some places, but it's still going to flow back the way it came. It's not going to be filled in by another wave coming because if it kept on going, we wouldn't have land masses, you know, land masses are measurably above sea level and that's what stops everything from getting flooded all the time. If you were looking at it on your globe, then everywhere is below the curvature of this massive mountain of ocean in the middle of two continents. And so that'd be below sea level. It's just simple observable logics. You have to invent, you have to bring in gravity to make the impossible possible. And that's why the globe is such a ridiculous concept because without it, we can explain everything in physics without gravity. We can explain it all. We don't need it. But without it, your globe is dead. It's gone. It's nothing. It's ridiculous. You wouldn't even have water in a universe, in a universal vacuum. There would be no okay. pressure because it would just boil. You put water let's, let's, into a vacuum chamber, what does it do? It boils. Okay, so let's say when when a tsunami forms, there's it's going to go to land. But so there's, there's like, there's a, America is here, tsunamis here, and then there are some ships over here. What happens to these ships? Do they get pulled in towards the tsunami? 
if they're in deep water, they just go up and over. The tsunami passes no. straight under it. No, no, no. So, so, so tsunami's going towards America, and they're on the other side. So they're behind the tsunami. Do they get pulled in towards the tsunami while the tsunami is moving towards America? No, that's not how waves work in deep water. <laughs> so, so the tsunami takes a large amount of water and moves it, creating a deficit, less water here. And the ships right next not to them, really they, just, they don't like move. It doesn't like pull them because there's more water moving towards the land. I, I don't know if you listened to my um, introduction where I mentioned how I've spent years and years surfing. And so as a surfer, I learned a lot about the way waves work in the ocean. The, the wave itself doesn't really even exist except there's a ripple in the water. It passes from one part of the water to another. So it moves, but the water remains where it is. So if there's a boat sitting there, well, the wave goes under it and keeps on going. It's only when they reach shallow water that they start to pick up extra water and start to then break, which creates you know, the waves that surfers are looking for. But in the deep ocean, that's not how waves work at all. They basically, for all intents and purposes, don't exist except that they create their ripple. But the, the water that it passes through stays where it was. So it's not really moving like the tsunami you say it is. It's only when it reaches shallow water that yes. the fluid dynamics then pick up surrounding water and pick up speed and momentum, and then it can create the disaster that it creates. Yeah, so yeah. So it does that. So, so it does that. Mellow little rising and falling. So it of picks up the water, picks up the water, lifts it out of the ocean, puts it on the land. Then there's a big hole in the ocean. There's no water there. The rest of the water behind it Fill that in. So it creates a double wave. In every tsunami, there are multiple waves that happen. The first one is the initial one with the big wave. Then a second one comes, which is this, the water from behind it coming in, and then they both go out. So when you create a gigantic hole in the ocean, when you remove the water, the water that was behind it comes after it to fill the hole, Aussie. This is this is just basic logic. You can do it in your bathtub. I don't know how you don't understand this. If you create a gigantic hole in the ocean, the water behind it is going to fill that hole, and that's called a wave. That's the tides, Aussie. It's very, very simple. No, that's actually not a hole. It's called a trough. That's a trough between the waves. Oh, it's my not God. A hole. And the next wave that comes along doesn't fill the hole at all it's just waves moving through deep water that's not the tides at all the tides are very much a coastal phenomenon you wouldn't even notice them at deep sea except for where you've got shallow rocks because that's all it really affects in the in the open ocean there's no such thing as tides not that mean anything to anybody anyway it's the coastal areas where you have the rise and fall in the shallow waters that has effects over everything so to say that even a tsunami moving through deep water, it is not going to create a second wave from it. It might have extra effects from whatever caused the first tsunami and you might get more waves from it. That's completely plausible. Most of these waves do move in sets, but they certainly do not create holes and they certainly do not try and fill the hole. You've just got a trough between waves and all the waves will move constant distance apart from one another until reaching the shallow water where they build up the momentum and do all the damage can so, you show my can you, can you Kaz, can you show my screen i have like a picture of how tsunami works yeah so so 
Ozzy, do, do, what are these? These are all, there's like a hole. This is a trough here, right? The part under, under the little dotted line, those are troughs, right? I guess you could say that, but they're totally unreal. Yeah, okay, that's good enough, good enough. So what happens to this big-ass wave over here if there's a trough? Is it going to move to fill the trough, Ozzy? Because water wants to reach its level, right, Ozzy? So if there's a big trough here and this water's going to the land, is this big wave going to fill that trough? Is it going to move over there? Yeah, that's... that's oh, my wave. God, that's, that's not, the tides, Ozzy. You've done it. You've figured tides. out the tides. It's not tides, that's swell. Yes, that's what the well, tides are. That's, that's the second tide. That's the tide on the other side. That's what it's doing. No, no. Swell and tides are completely different things. They bear some resemblance to each other in certain local locations, but to say that waves are the tides is ridiculous. You've got no idea what you're talking about. We're talking about a six and a quarter hour difference between the first high tide and the second high tide. How can a wave coming a minute or 30 seconds afterwards possibly be an explanation for tides? That's ridiculous. Do, do, do bigger waves move slower, Ozzy? What's that? Bigger wave. Bigger if, wave, the wave if the wave is bigger, does it create a larger wavelength between the next wave? I guess you could it, say so, yeah. So if you have a really, really big wave, then you're going to have a really, really big trough, and it's going to take a longer time to fill the trough, isn't it, Ozzy? <laughs> But it's not going to take a quarter of a day. That's just not if, how it works. If if you're trying to say that one wave is the, the high tide, then take. the wave recedes immediately. That's not going to create a low tide immediately for the next six hours. If if the and then bigger another the wave, the longer the trough. If if, if the bigger if the bigger the wave, the longer the trough. If you get a big enough wave, yes, you'll get a six-hour trough. Congratulations! It's just basic physics. You're, you're insane, mate, if that's what you think. You're absolutely insane. You've got no ocean experience whatsoever. You've probably never ridden a surfboard in your life. You've got no idea how waves work, no idea how tides work. I've spent years of my life, decades, observing tides. I've watched a high tide creeping up across dry sand as the moon is far into the east still approaching. This is the major high tide of the day because the secondary high tide doesn't wet the dry sand. It only comes up a certain amount of period up the dry sand or that's already been saturated so when you've got water creeping up the unsaturated sand that's the major high tide of the day and that's with the moon hours away it's not going to be four or five hours until it's overhead by which stage that tide is already receding and on its way well out again so it cannot be the moon pulling it from hours away to the east when it's obviously repelling it and pushing it forwards in front of it and by the time it's overhead it's nearly low tide so uh, you may have spent experience. years watching the, the 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 waves. I have spent years watching flat earthers and debaters who don't understand anything on debates. And, and I can tell, and based on your logic, I should understand more about flat earthers than anybody because I've spent years watching them talk. Clearly, that's not the case. You spending years watching waves is like me spending years watching flat earthers. It's still a mystery of how not at all. No, because this is a natural phenomenon in nature. This is really almost extraneous to both either the flat earth or the globe earth argument except to say it's completely just related to tides alone that's real world experience you've got lounge room experience classroom experience book learning experience i've been out in the real world experiencing it in real time revolving my whole <laughs> life around how the tides work how the swells work what i'm going to do for the day where the moon is whether i mow the lawn because of the moon phase or do i do some weeding or whatever. I do everything according to moon phases and observation of tides 
which I've done for decades and decades of real-time, real-world experience. And I can tell you that, you know, I used to be a die-in-the-wool heliocentrist myself. I believed everything about it, and yet all my observations of the moon didn't match. They don't match the the mainstream belief. Even watching a, a, a lunar eclipse, the shadow comes from the completely wrong side and angle. It can't cannot possibly be attributed to the sun being beneath the spinning ball earth casting a shadow on the moon it's absolutely absurd there's that everything about heliocentrism that i've seen firsthand is why i'm a flat earther not because i've been sitting watching stuff and debates you know on youtube all the time but because i've got real world real life experience decades of it out in reality and so i know what i'm talking about and i know everyone has that of tides caused by the pull of the moon is impossible it cannot everyone happen. everyone who's older than 24 has decades of experience in reality that's just basic logic and obviously it's a natural phenomenon in nature clearly that's the case flurfs are also a natural phenomenon there's nothing supernatural about them literally nothing you said makes sense i'm ready to go to the q a all right um are you ready to go to iron horse yeah that's fine all right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we do uh, have some room for Super Chat still. So if you do have a question for one of tonight's debaters, go ahead and send a Super Chat still. Uh, we do have room for that uh, at this time. And we, uh, I'll go ahead and let the timer run down for the uh, open discussion before I switch to the Q&A timer just to let that happen. And uh, we'll go ahead and start that now. So our first question comes in from space is a lie for five dollars they say just because you don't fall off the planet living in australia does not mean earth is flat i think that's for you flat earth Aussie. did you hear me uh well that's right because when we live on a stationary planet earth we have a universal up and down and you can't fall off anything when all the solar stuff's beneath you gotcha thank you so much oh yeah i want to show everybody in the chat that um to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button for more debates. Our debaters are linked in the description below. So if you like what you heard tonight and you want to hear more from either of them, please don't forget to check out their links because uh, they we do appreciate them. They are the lifeblood of this channel. And again, there will be a after show tonight. So if you want to hear more from either of them tonight, I believe they will both be joining us for that um, in the after show. That is also linked in the description. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and kick it to the next super chat from Oflamio for $2. They say, for both. I'm hearing myself. Uh, probably, Aussie his 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 uh, thing uh, from Oflamio for two dollars for both. Can curvature cause a force? Can curvature cause a force? No, Cur curvature is just a shape. It is as a result of a force. I don't curvature can't cause a force. I don't think. Um, okay, uh, Iron Horses. Stepped up for a moment. We'll move on. Uh, from Mark Reed for five dollars, asks why down in um, uh, Iron Horse. Did you want to answer that last question? Can curvature cause a force? Um, I'm having trouble hearing you again, mate. You're sounding real staticky to me. I'm just trying to think where well, I might have can, some headphones, but I can't think. Can curvature cause a force? Uh, I'm just getting stuck. Nope. Type, try put it in the chat. Like, type it in the chat. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll type that and I'll ask the next question while I'm doing that. Can 
I can copy and paste it actually. While I ask the next question, um, Mark Reed for five dollars. Why down in? You know, I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm about to type that one as well. I'll, I'll just copy and paste that to him, so he can read that. And let me see. Craw Daddy twenty nine says, "I thought Australia had better education." You hear me, Iron Horse? I'm just getting static. Okay. Here's the next question for you. Can you see that? <laughs> can you uh, chat? Can you see the chat in the text chat, Ozzy? No, I'm I'm only looking at it on the app. On on like the, the app, then the stream yard. There's a question for you. In, in the app, good. in the app, there should be a, a comments option. Like there should be a box that says on the right. Uh, Why down in particular the air is just as dense above and to the sides of an object? Uh, because even the air above doesn't offer resistance, does it? It's the same resistance below. So, sort of can, typical. Can you Mark hear me? Reed. Yeah, I can now. Okay, there's a question from Mark Reed for $5. Why down in particular, Iron Horse, the air is just as dense above as to the sides of an object? I think Why he just answered down... Oh, he did? Yeah, I think he was literally just answering that question. Okay. Yeah, I, I did, but if I cut no, it out. That's fine. I, I wasn't sure if you did. I couldn't make out what you were saying. I'm sorry. The Crawdaddy 029 for $2. I thought Australia. No, no, I'm sorry. From Joe Schwartz, 199. What is your favorite video game and why? For both. Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2 because it is extremely difficult and skill based, no grinding. Iron Horse, do you have a favorite video game? Uh, no, I gave up playing video games about 20 years ago. From Oplamio for, gotcha. for $2. What is the definition of force and hoax? Who's that? Oh. I think that's for you. What is the definition of force? And hoax. I think I could go both ways. Force and hoax. Well, force is when you apply energy towards something. And hoax is... When you believe in something that isn't true, uh, yeah, oh, a force is something that applies uh, energy to something, and a hoax is a, a false statement that is positioned as true. I don't see it, Crawdaddy. Retype it, and I will grab it. Even if you don't, you don't have to resend it as a uh, super chat. Just retype it. Uh, mine has a question for Ozzy. Do you have a son named Mango from Jody W? <laughs> no. My son's name is not Mango. All right. Um, for five ninety nine from Anton Gomez says, T-Jump, gravity is not a force. It's 100% illusion. I love you, but you are bananas. Uh, well, technically, it's it's just the curvature of space-time, which is not technically defined as a force, but it's definitely a real object that exists, for sure, that's been proven to exist through novel testable predictions that have been confirmed in a lab through the LIGO measurements. Gotcha. Thank you so much. Uh, from Jacob McKenzie for $5 says, A wise Tom heeds the chair's instruction, but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. Recliner 512. The Church of the Chair, the Bible of the Chair, Book of the Chair. Gotcha. Uh, from Mr. Monster for $5, what good reason would educated scientists have to fake the truth about gravity? 
if gravity is not true, why is it not mainstream? Why is that not mainstream? Sorry. Why is it not mainstream that gravity is not true? Uh, for me, well, I think it is pretty well mainstream. Like no, the mainstream will even why it, why isn't it the mainstream opinion that gravity is fake? Well, well, they, they will readily admit that it's not a force, and yet they have to think of it as a force. It, it's a requirement or a belief that they've carried over from hundreds of years ago to make the Earth a spinning ball when we've got absolutely no uh, way to detect any of the motions, which are incredibly huge motions. And so they just need to have it, even though they know it's just a theory that doesn't really make sense and they haven't got a bloody clue what it is. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, this is the comment, I believe, from Crawdaddy that uh, we missed. Um, Iron Horse, find a playground, get on the merry-go-round, and do one spin over the course of 24 hours and tell me how thrilling the ride is. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a lovely example of people that live in a world of ignorance. Because if we're going to make this merry-go-round even close to resembling reality, we've got to have it with a radius from the centre to the outside horse that you're riding on of 4,000 miles. And you've also got to have it sitting on the back of a truck, for example, or something, a supersonic jet, where this jet is flying through across the ground at about 66,600 miles per hour. Now, I can assure you that even without being on the back of a truck, if it's just moving once per day at the end of a 4,000-mile radius, you are going 1.35 times the speed of sound, and you'd better hope you're wearing your Superman cape and a good hard hat. Gotcha. Angular velocity is the same no matter what distance you're going at, so it doesn't change if you're like a foot away from the center or a 1,000 miles away from the center. The angular velocity okay, well, is the put same. A, put a clock in the middle of a paddock, and take the clock face off it and put a length of wire across to the hour hand and start extending that wire out just for one kilometre and see how fast you have to run to keep up with the clock. It's a ridiculous example to say that revolutions per minute are anything to do with angular velocity. If the air is moving with you, you don't have to move at all. Everything will be moving with you, so you won't have to do anything. But you've got to move with the hour hand. You know, we're, we're talking 4,000 miles long. Can you... Even grasp the concept of something four thousand yeah. miles long. If you can't even grasp something one mile long, when it comes if to the, a piece of if the ground, out. if the ground and air are moving with you, you could just hold the hand, and it will—you won't have to move at all. It'll—you will feel nothing. You'll just stand there. I'm, I'm sorry for my <laughs> yeah, own but, personal. But it is for, moving. For my own personal edification, I, I guess I missed it. What's four thousand miles long? Clock hand. So he's saying if there's a clock and it's four thousand mile long hand, and you're at the edge of the hand, and you're trying to like hold on to it. Well, it's moving. But, but why does it have to be 4,000 miles? It's, it's just, he's trying to make an analogy that it, if there's a clock hand and it's moving and it's 4,000 miles long, if you were trying to hold on to it, it would move very, very fast and you'd get blown away by the wind. So like if you're standing on the edge of a very long clock hand and it's moving, the edge is moving just like the center is moving. Okay. How would you be I'm able sorry. to stand on it? Okay. I was just trying to understand. Thank you so much. Is that, is, okay. Thank you. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, from John H. for $5. If Earth was a globe and we observed 12 noon facing the sun, six months later, we would be facing the other way. Please explain. Oh, I think he's frozen. Crap. Hold on. Oh, we got, we got him another one. Here we go. You there? Yeah, I hit the back button okay. and closed the window. I thought that would happen if I All good. tried to get anything on the phone. I'd lose it. <laughs> All right. John H. for $5 says, if the Earth was a globe, we... And we observe 12 noon facing the sun. Six months later, we would be facing the other way. Please explain. 
Yeah, that's 100% truth. I think that's actually a question for T-Jump to try and explain that one. I would explain it by if you had a big wall and you had 365 clocks, forget the quarter for the moment, we just put 365 of them in a big circle on the wall and right in the middle you put a big blinding light that created, that was mimicking the sun. So everywhere where it's hitting each individual clock, that is the representation of that particular day of the year's daytime because the clock is always going to have the 12 at the top. So that's their daylight hours. So if you've got 12 o'clock at the very top clock and 12 o'clock at the very bottom clock, then that one's going to be facing the sun at midday, but this one's going to be facing it at midnight. And so, yes, day and night would indeed swap places if we were actually on the spinning ball going around the sun. But because on the flat Earth, the sun goes around above us, it takes exactly 24 hours per single rotation to go around above us, and that's why it's always overhead at midday, more or less in your local time zone of which there's about 24 time zones around the planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. so day and night are based off of the Earth's rotation around itself, its own axis, not based off of its axis around the sun. So in six months, the Earth will be on the opposite side of the sun. But luckily, we designed day and night times to be based off of whether or not the, the sun is, the Earth is facing the sun, not about its position, where it is located uh, around the sun. So, so it's... The day and night cycle is a separate cycle from the the calendar year. Th those are two separate separate cycles. It's a cool story there, T-Jump, but the fact is we measure a day with a fixed amount of time. It doesn't matter what we call it. If you want to call it 23 hours and 56 minutes and four seconds, yeah. this ideal day of what the, we observe the stars going around above us, you can call it that. You can call it 24 right. hours as we do. Whatever the fact is, we use a fixed mechanical clock to measure exactly 24 hours every single day which means yep. that the clock itself from the example i used if you made a big circle around the sun the clock is always going to be in the same position as it goes in a big circle around the sun so day and night would indeed swap place no 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 that yeah yeah it would depend on the time. Like if we made it 30 hours days, then yes, yes, it would. If in, if the days were 30 hours long, then you're right. It would change position as time went on. It's irrelevant. But we don't. It's irrelevant as long as the amount of time is fixed. It doesn't matter what amount you give it. Whatever value is irrelevant. It's fixed. It's the same every day. That's, no, the, no. that's the issue that the Globers can't get. They just say, oh, it's 23, 50, 23 hours, 56 minutes and a little bit, and that way it keeps the sun. We don't have to adjust our clocks, but we don't adjust our clocks. The clock is the fixed amount of time regardless of what you call it. Just being fixed. So, like, if, if we have a ball and we're moving the ball around a light bulb, it, yep. the faster we move the ball the slower the ball has to be spinning for a day. So like imagine if the ball wasn't spinning at all, it was just like fixed, we moved around. Then one rotation around the sun would eat, would also be one day. So like the, if the ball did not in any way rotate, it was just going around the sun in a fixed position. Then the one year and the one day time would be exactly the same. But if we start yeah. changing those times, then we can have a day time that is a certain number of days per year. You can count those. And, and then we have two different measurements now. So we can yes, make them separate numbers. Yes, and we've got 365.25 rotations of the ball to create one year. Yeah. But each one of those rotations is exactly one rotation of exactly 24 hours. No, that's why we have leap years. 
No, we have leap years because of the quarter day and because it takes that extra quarter for the stars to align and we like to keep our solstices <laughs> on the same day of the year. Every what is the years, sun? The sun is a star, bro. 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 Uh, well, you can think of it like a star, but it's not a star. It's literally right. a star. Shall we move on, gentlemen? Sure. Okay. From Neon Soul for five um, pounds or euros for uh, Iron Horse. Why things fall in a vacuum instead of floating? By your logic, the resistance should be the same from all sides. That's totally illogical. There's no resistance in a vacuum. Zero amount of resistance. If you made a, a non-vacuum and you made, I don't know, everything the same density as the yes. vacuum, like, like a molecule of gas will not float in a vacuum because it's not a vacuum anymore the minute you put a molecule of gas in there. So... It's a ridiculous thing to think that non-resistance is going to create buoyancy. You need density to create buoyancy, not lack of density. It gives so nothing. If there's a vacuum on all four sides, all four sides have equal resistance, right? Zero, 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 zero. They're all the same. They're all zero. Right. Right, so if you have a vacuum, all the sides have equal equal density, zero. It's equal okay, density well, on everywhere. Well, well, in that case, you'd have to be assuming a universal-sized vacuum with nothing else in it, and in which case, you wouldn't know you're moving even if you were. So that that works, yeah, you are floating. Because that, that was because the question. The question chamber has floors and walls and it's a chamber. There is a dam. How, how does the chamber add a force in a vacuum? Because it's the place of resistance. And so the thing hits the place of resistance and it goes no further because it has more mass than nothing. <sighs> okay. Uh, from K Tikari, uh, sent to a dollar super chat with no question attached. So thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. Um, if you have another question that you wanted to attach to that, but you missed it, then just go ahead and send that in. Uh, we are out of super chats right now. So if you have a super chat that you want to send in, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and send that and it will be read immediately uh, following the completion of the next question that we read. Uh, I, got one, Dave, I got a super chat on my end. Uh, if the earth is flat, why are other planets spheres? <laughs> that, that creates two assumptions in the first place one that planets even exist and two that earth is even a planet we're not in outer space we the whole flat earth concept is that we are the only physical plane in existence at the bottom of the known universe and the lights in the sky are not terra firma and if they were terra firma then they would drop to earth gotcha all right uh from david h is reality a hoax more than likely. I wouldn't be surprised. What? Well, everything is interpretation through signals that we receive through our senses. And so basically all of reality exists within the mind of the, the observer. So technically, without an observer, reality doesn't even exist. So at the moment, there's currently about 8 billion different versions of the human universe at this stage and probably trillions and trillions of other versions of the universe from the perspective of other living conscious organisms. But Technically, everything is within. Gotcha. From Extra J at Iron Horse, why don't meteorites fall back up? Yes, we've never seen a meteorite fall up. And to be honest, I'm a bit dubious about whether they even come from outer space. Like, I haven't seen any evidence for them. Most of the times, if we do find shrapnel or something from something, it's usually 
that way you can explain from earth-based um, material and obviously on a physical planar earth at the bottom of the known universe there is only one universal down and anything of mass is going to go that direction we never actually see meteorites going up from the horizon for example it, assuming they exist what about the gigantic holes that we see gigantic holes well from meteorites that could be explained by a number of other things a, a giant open cut mine for example back in the day when we still had the, all this lost technology of things that we can no longer build today we see all sorts of examples of things that exist now we've got no answer for especially ancient buildings and whatnot even the pyramids gotcha from victor halleck for five dollars for iron horse what is the difference between density and gravity well gravity is a pseudo force saying that the attraction of mass comes from things of density whereas we just say things of density are what creates matter and matter and vo combined with volume gives something weight and weight relative to its environment determines whether it goes up or down so density and buoyancy is just pure simple physics gravity is a pseudo belief that says things of mass attract one another regardless of direction gotcha from paul anchor all t-jump has done is assume a force he has not explained why it exists okay it's the curvature of space-time manifold it is the fact that objects in space uh bend space and cause things to fall towards them that's why it exists gotcha from daryl frost says sorry t-jump tides are not water movement and waves do not transport water the water stays still but the wave moves uh li literally waves are water movement yes they they they, they do move is a thing it's why they go on land the water if the water didn't move they couldn't end up on land gotcha from mark reed says oh so what causes the waves does he that's iron horse think that some divine being is doing it uh well i guess in a way if you since heliocentrism heliocentrism is all based on sun worship then obviously the sun is god in the heliocentric belief and so technically that is a divine being and it is the force from the heat and motion of the sun moving around us once every 24 hours it creates the weather and it's the weather that creates the waves and the swell so in a sense i guess you could say it's a great divine being doing it gotcha kevin says um he i don't have any money but what shampoo does iron horse use for his beard oh well Yeah, I just Beer, squeeze shampoo. it out every morning. It's clean again. <laughs> Roger that. Uh, from say Montreal uh, says, please ask T Jump which, uh, yeah, which gravity he was he referring to, Newtonian or Einsteinian, and if he knows both are wrong. Uh, general and special relativity was Einsteinian gravity. It's not wrong. It's not complete, but it's not wrong. It's it's just not complete. Roger that. From East uh, Fremantle says, uh, question, why are we taller when we wake up and shorter when we go to bed at night? Is it gravity? I think that's for you, Iron Horse. Do you want to go first, Tejo? 
what sure um because our body gets compressed i guess from standing wait yeah i'd probably just say it's the compression of you know our muscles and joints that wear us down over the period of a day because our body itself does have mass and it presses down on itself and we've also got the atmosphere above us so when we relax and spread out um that gives a chance for everything to go back to its natural state again without all that pressure down on us i doubt gotcha. we barely measure it though. gotcha from absolute zero if gravity isn't true then what force makes massive objects attracted to one another well, that, that's a, a furphy. Nothing. There's there's no evidence of large objects being attracted to one another. It's yeah. You know, you've got magnetism. You've got static electricity. You've got electromagnetism. Those things will attract things to one another. But by virtue of mass alone, you do not have any form of natural attraction. It's a absolute furphy. Sorry, I'm trying to shoo my cat. I got a question uh, for for him while, while you're shooing your cat. When will you be publishing your findings for peer review? Have you spoken to astrophysicists about your hypothesis? I'm still working on it. You know, I'm still only young. I figured I'll wait till I'm about 70, maybe 80, so that they can you know, publish it posthumously like they do for all the famous physicists. You know, I just I, I don't want to rush into this thing. Okay. Um from Tinkle Tink wants to know what flavor of vape I have, and that is Strawberry Blast. So I <laughs> just happen to have that right here. <laughs> From Mango Tea, they want to, they say for seven ninety nine, uh, T Jump. When are we going to debate on Modern Day Debate? Set it up with James. I have no idea who you are, but do, sure do it. Also pay me. Roger that. From Mark Reed, <laughs> what determines weight? Did he? That's you, Iron Horse. Say that buoyancy creates weight. No, I said the mass, the density of the mass times the amount of volume that it has. So you can have something very small, but it can be very dense, so it will weigh quite a lot more than something that's very large that isn't very dense, and it won't have nearly as much weight. So it's the overall density per volume that determines weight. No invisible pulling force is required. Density determines weight. Density is basically, well, the density of the medium is what determines the resistance. So, for example, you might be able to weigh yourself in the medium of air and be a certain weight, but if you put that same scale into water, then that density of medium is going to make you appear to be a lot lighter. But you yourself are still at the same mass, the same density, same volume. You are still the same weight. The ability to weigh something doesn't necessarily determine what its true weight actually is. What is light weight? What is lightweight? Yeah. Or what does much, light much, weigh? Yes. I would say it doesn't weigh anything. That's why it's called light. So why doesn't it go up? Because if, if relative density is a thing and light weighs nothing, then all light should go up, right? No, no. It's just there. It's it's not a, a thing of mass. <laughs> it, it's an electro-vibration of the atmosphere of causing photons to glow of the molecules of particular gases and stuff. It's, it's a whole other subject that we could enter into another day if you'd like to sub discuss that one next why doesn't light go up <laughs> okay 
And then from Mark Reed, oh no, I said just read that one. From uh, Travis Statham says to Iron Horse, if the Bible said the Earth was a planet and gravity was real, would you then believe it? Not necessarily. I'd I'd treat the Bible like any other historical book and see what relevance it has to the observations that we can make today. If the observations they made 2,000 years ago match what we can make today, then I'll say, yeah, that's quite relevant. But if it says something that I can turn around and prove with many, many examples, especially because we have modern photography and digital cameras and things we can send up very high these days, I'll turn around and say, well, no, the Bible is probably wrong. Because I don't treat the Bible as anything special compared to any other historical book. It can have relevance in many cases. It could be useful for many people. It might have good philosophy in it. But when it comes to physical sciences, I think I'll turn around and do what we can do today with today's technology. Gotcha. Roger that. From Mango T for $7.99, they say, gravity exists. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to sleep with your wife and have babies. Without gravity existing, you are entirely incorrect. So people in the space station can't make babies? Correct. That is impossible because their blood flow uh, stops them from being able to get erect. You can't have sex in space, unfortunately. Really? I did not. Huh. I've never heard that. That's crazy. But, but isn't Earth in space? Uh, it's close enough to a very large gravitational force that allows our bodies to function called the Earth. So we can get it up despite gravity. Cool. Because of gravity, thanks to gravity, only because of gravity. All right, from David Acid D, punch drunk for five uh, euros, I think, or maybe pounds. Uh, if Iron Horse can spend the rest of the stream with one leg held up, showing no movement downwards, I will believe gravity doesn't exist. What's it worth to you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think no. that's going to be happening because I, we know that muscular strength. No takers, David. Just, just, just turn your camera upside down, point it at your leg. There you go. Probably and a bigger <laughs> super chat next time. <laughs> All right. From Neon Soul for five says, let's try again. If we hold a glass with water in it, why isn't the water going up? The air on top is less dense than the glass below and to the sides. Exactly. The air is less dense. So something more dense passes through, displaces the less dense thing until finding a place of resistance, which is the glass, because it's more dense than the water. If the water is more dense than the glass, it'll pass through the glass. But glasses are pretty strong. So that's when it comes to solids, most solids are dense enough to resist something else of density. Unless you hit it with a lot of force. Like a fire hose. <laughs> Roger that. From Victor Halleck for $5 says, Iron Horse, what leading flat earth thinkers do you recommend following and or books to read? What leading flat earth what? Uh, flat earth thinkers. Thinkers. Should we follow or what books should we read? I think you should think for yourself. Um, look into as much as you can find. You know, I, I personally like having Globebusters 24-7 on in the background because they, they, they're always uh, promoting a lot of variety of different YouTube users. So you can, you will see a great deal of people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to find. So I definitely recommend them. Um, and 
personally, I haven't read any good flat earth books. I, I'm sure there's plenty of them, but yes, I don't have a reading list. That makes me think of a juicy question. Is there any flat earth thinkers that you would definitely not recommend we listen to? I think everyone has some sort of relevance. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're all 100% correct all of the time. We're we're all still on a bit of a learning curve ourselves. So, um, you know, there's there some that... one that you would definitely dissuade us from listening to. There's no flat Earth arguments that you've heard that you say definitely not. Well, 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 no, because I think even a broken clock can be right twice a day. So even the ones that are quite often wrong, they've still got enough relevance to add that if you've got enough discernment for yourself then that's what you need to rely upon. Don't rely upon anybody but yourself to discern everything you possibly can for yourself. Roger that. Extra juicy. From John H. for $5. T-Jump. At what size do all observable flat bodies of water start to curve? I don't know. <laughs> Eight inches per mile squared. Uh, well, I didn't know the answer to that one, but I'm not supposed to be neutral. Uh, Eureka Akuri for moon landings, real or fake? Moon landing, moon landing real is fake? real. The question. <laughs> the question is, moon landings, real or fake? Real. We can we see the pieces that are still there. We can like bounce lasers off of them. It was a really good hoax that they've done in the studio, but anybody that believes that we've actually been to the moon, um, well, they might be insane. <laughs> Or maybe not the first time, actually. From Mark Reed, how do you explain the Cavendish experiment showing mass attracting? Oh, the banana experiment. Yes, well, that's torsion bar suspended in the air, and nothing can ever be left completely at rest. And so eventually, those balls are going to come to rest somewhere against something. And because you put other big balls in the way, that's where they're going to come to rest at. You've also got the other factor of static electricity because you're using balls. And so you've also got air rotating around all the time. So it's eventually going to build up some amount of static electricity that's going to pull them towards one another, potentially. And the last one of all that completely disproves the banana experiment is that Earth's gravity is so much more massive than the large ball outside of either side of the torsion bar that's just a matter of luck that it could overcome earth's gravity if gravity was actually a thing it's just going to come to rest somewhere eventually and it proves nothing and it's often failed by most people that <laughs> try and perform the experiment anyway roger that from mark twain uh wants me to show my cat i think but my cats are put away right now i think I, i'll try to pull them out for the after show but they're put away right now so sorry uh from travis statham says to Iron Horse. So you're saying you're actually an atheist? No, I'm, I would never call myself an atheist. I definitely believe in higher beings of all sorts. I, I wouldn't say that there's just a special God that, you know, that there obviously has to be an initial source of everything. But I think our ability to comprehend what that could possibly be is beyond our ability to even try to think about. But uh, definitely not an atheist. I believe in higher powers all around us and many of which we would probably call if we had met one we'd probably think of that as god but um it's probably just a messenger an angel or something gotcha well that brings us to the end of our super chats and all of our questions let me double check to make sure nobody else sent anything else uh the last couple seconds looks like no okay well that will wrap us up for tonight 
ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you to all the moderators in the chat for keeping the uh, discourse elevated. Thank you to James for creating this platform. Thank you to everybody in the audience for watching uh, and everybody who sent super chats and questions. Thank you to everybody else. Uh, thank you to the debaters. You guys are the lifeblood of the show. Thank you for uh, participating and keeping the discussion lively. So once again, to everybody, like the video if you liked it, share it if you want to spread it, and subscribe. We have many more debates coming your way. Our speakers are linked below. Check them out. Do it now. Check out the after show in a little bit, about 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, thank you, everyone. Have a great night. And remember to keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. You guys all have a great night. Goodbye. Cheers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.